Thank you, families. All right. Good morning, Calvary. Good morning to our online listeners as well. I think I have this turned on. Yep. Well, it is October 31st, which can mean only one thing. It is my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, Dad, if you happen to be listening to this. Um, I was going to preach a sermon today, and I kind of had thought about it, prayed about it, and um, even practiced it. You may not know, we practice quite often on Thursdays, the sermons that we're going to preach, and just never really felt at peace. It was a, it was a decent sermon, so I, I'm changing it, but the sermon I was going to be preaching was, was kind of on the idea of the widow's might, the idea of living open-handed, not having our status wrapped up in money, really understanding what it looks like for we as a church as we live generously, and we're seeing that already. And we, we see our church, uh, we were able to hire two new employees even through the pandemic. We have been able to help refugees from Afghanistan. We're supporting a new church in town, Casa de Luz, and there's so much more we can continue to do as we continue to be faithful in generosity as we do forward. But ultimately, it's not where I felt I needed to go. And so if you will bear with me today, I, I kind of want to talk about what it looks like for us to be in an authentic community. And the reason I think this goes well with our status series is the idea is we often can come to church with the mentality of, this is in it for me. And what would it look like if our church really, and not just our church, but the, the bigger church at large, would really live in a way that's open-minded for what God wants us to do. So I want to preach out a passage. If this one's sermon's not as polished, or if I say any jokes, forgive me, um, but it's just not as polished as it would be. But Romans 12 is where we're going. Romans 12, 1 and 2, there also won't be as many slides, but there will be some verses on the screen, thanks to the great Ian. Therefore, brothers and sisters, verse 1, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true worship. And do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. How do we unpack this? What do we look like? How, how do we go with that? And I think it starts by talking about brothers and sisters. So he's writing to people in the church, and he's saying, uh, in view of the mercies that God has given you, in view of the blessings that God has given you, how are you responding to that? By the way, real quick, if those of you who are on the outside can scoot in, we have some people who can't find some seats. That would be great. Help them find some seats. Great crowd today. In view of the mercies that God has given us, as God has given us His mercies, what does it mean for us to look and to live like as a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice. I think when we think of living sacrifice, we think, okay, what am I giving to the church? And so we, we, give, we, we give time, we give energy, we give resources, we give finances, and we, and we see God doing great things through that. And, and so that's a good thing, but I think a lot of times when we think of the idea of living sacrifice, what we're really hoping is that we give to give God the good stuff. But I think if we really unwrap what this looks like to give God all of us is super important. The good, the bad, to be authentically known. Who doesn't want to be authentically known? And so when I think of living sacrifice, it's the, the giving of every 
part of you. And that's so important for us as a church to learn how to do that and to continue to develop that, to continue to mature in that from every aspect, whether you're working in the nursery or whether you're working with student community in the college ministry and in a small group setting and having coffee just with your spouse, not just with your spouse, with your spouse, with your family dynamic, how you invest in your kids. What does it look like for us to be believers and to carry that community into our life so that it's not just a little part about what we do, but it's all of us. Are you tracking? Because I think far too often what we want to do is we want to give God a little and not all. So we come to church and we go through the motions and then we wonder where God is. Well, ultimately, the way this relates to our status is the idea of this is true worship. True worship is to have your value as a child of God. To realize that you were uniquely made with your personalities and your gifts, your strengths, your abilities. God lovingly created you and made you and you are first and foremost valued as a son or a daughter of the king. I don't think we got very excited about that. But maybe we should. Because you see, we live in a world that's constantly looking for its value in other places. We look for a status in, in different things, whether it's fame or financial stability or even just a group of people to talk with. First and foremost, to be a follower of Jesus and first and foremost, to be a human, I believe means that we were made to be in a relationship with God and our status comes out of that. So why do we lose that? Well, it says, do not be conformed to this age. And I, I would argue part of the reason we miss out on that is we're conformed to the age. We buy into the idea of the society gets to tell us how we're supposed to look, right? How we're supposed to act. We have a, a culture that says this is right, this is wrong, and keep up or, or change or adapt. Be, but we allow the culture to dictate what we are supposed to believe instead of going to the very word of God says, don't be conformed to this age. And I, I think that even in the church, we can do that, right? I think it's very easy for us to, to put on the image of what it looks like to, okay, I'm going to church, so I got to put on my church face, right? And the way I know that is because there it says to be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To transformed is the word metamorphosis. If you've been around here a while, you're expecting me to go to the caterpillar illustration. The caterpillar illustration is the idea of metamorphosis. Those of you who remember third grade science, and we go, and the caterpillar eats and eats the great, very hungry caterpillar, right? Then it gets a stomach ache, and then it gets the cocoon and transforms into a butterfly. And, and that is definitely part of the transformation process, because who, after all, doesn't want to be a beautiful butterfly? Oh, you'd rather be a caterpillar? Okay. Not going to go very far or very fast. So we like the idea of transformation until it costs us something. We like the idea of transformation until it means that we actually have to adapt and adjust. But the idea of transformation there is not just a little transformation. It's all of you. Like the caterpillar, when you break it down, if you were to cut open the cocoon at just the right time, 
caterpillar soup would come out of the cocoon because it's not just a caterpillar that gains wings. It has to be reformed. So this is how it impacts in the church community far too often. We show up, right? I'm ready to be transformed. Give me my wings, but I don't want to actually adjust. Or we learn to put on a mask and a face and act, right? And, and, and the scene that's played out over and over and over again, you've heard me talk about it before, every single church has this happen every single week. On the way to church, there's a couple with two kids in the back, 2.3 kids in the back, and the kids are fighting, and they're going, don't touch me, don't touch me. And the mom and dad are going, you handle the kids. They're your kids. Oh, I thought you were there. You know, it's like all that stuff, and you keep going back and forth, and you get really mad at each other, and you pull into the parking lot, and all of a sudden, somebody wheels around and goes, everybody, we're going to the church. Put on your church face. Right? Trick or treat. <laughs> Time to put on the costume. And it's repeated as we go to small group. It's repeated over coffee. It's repeated as we serve on mission trips. It's repeated on the pictures on our wall that show the image of what we want the world to see us in, but we don't all the while really let people know the authentic human being that we are. Let me give you Daniel Barry's opinion. I always try to state my opinion as different from facts, so there's a lot of room to discuss here. We live in a very angry society. Hopefully we all agree with that. No, what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> I think the reason, in my opinion, that we're an angry society is because we want everybody else to function like we think they should function. And ultimately what that is is longing for someone to love us for who we are. What do you mean you don't agree with me? You must not love me. What do you mean you're going through this struggle, this heartache? And I can feel it too. I can't. But as I think about that, I, I think, what does it look like to be transformed? I talked about the caterpillar illustration. And I, I could go deeper in that, but there was actually something happened this week that, that allowed me to go even better with this illustration. Because there's this thing called Facebook. Anybody ever heard of it? Okay. Some of you didn't raise your hands. Yeah. Welcome to the 1990s. Okay. The <laughs> Facebook, uh, this last week, changed their names. We're talking about metamorphosis, Right. Now, some of you are panicked right now because you haven't heard this news, and you're like, oh my goodness, I need to go home right now and download all my pictures. Facebook is not going away. In fact, they're not even really changing much, but if you get into the weeds of what Facebook is doing, they are changing their name because they realize they're not cool with the moms. I mean, they're only cool with the moms. They're not cool with the kids. So if you're a mom like, what's wrong with Facebook? That's the reason. <laughs> and you're like, what about the dads? They're not on social media as much as the moms because they don't want to be on there with the moms. So that's just another story. That's free. <laughs> Send your angry emails to Daniel Barry. I deserve that one. Okay. Um, as you unpack this and you think about this, what Facebook is doing is they're changing their name because they want to rebrand themselves. And so what they're changing their name to is 
meta. Did you hear it? And I'm wondering how often we view transformation like that. How often we as the church come to the place where we go, God transformed me, I'll change my name, now I'm a follower of Christ, but we don't actually change anything about us except the face we put on when we go to church. I'm wondering how often we go expecting the power of God to move in our life, only we're not really. I'm wondering how long we are really, really wanting the impact of what the gospel has to offer through the power of the empty tomb. Jesus is alive, y'all. My text came out. Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, he is still active. He is still in the creating. He is still in the transformation business. Are we going to let him? Are we still too concerned about keeping the, wait for it, status quo? So what does it look like for us to come? Well, it takes a community. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than he should think. If you're the person thinking someone else needs to hear that, you're the one that needs to hear it. Once again, joke, people. I didn't have a chance to practice this stuff. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, In all the parts, we do not have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. I love this passage because it talks about the idea of us all contributing. The fact that you were made uniquely. You were actually there to help the kingdom of God. So why does this break down and what does that passage really talk about? Here's the reason I think a lot of times this breaks down. is because there are a couple reasons why people come to church. Few really. One, they were dragged by somebody. Two, things like a baby dedication. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Or a wedding or a funeral, or three, they're going through a crisis. Most people come to church for one of those three reasons. The vast majority of them come because they're coming through a crisis. Our marriage, not mine, but you might have this mentality. Our marriage is on a brink. Let's give church a try. Kids, right? Let's give church a try. If nothing else, we get a break. I don't know how to handle what's going on at work. Let's go find a community of people that are designed to help me. So we view church as a transaction. We view the community of God as a transaction that's unpacked like the following. I got bags, you got bags. You know what I mean by bags? I got weight I'm carrying. Premarital counseling 101. You get married thinking your spouse is going to take the weight off your shoulders? No, they got their own bags. Maybe even more than you. Testify. All right? My wife would say that about me, but that's another story. We bring bags, and so here's what happens. We, we come to church. Let's say it's a small group, right? Or let's say it's student community or, or, or over coffee, and you come to somebody, and let's say I'm having a conversation with Drew Phillips, and uh, Drew's our associate pastor, and I, and I come to him, and I say, Drew, I'm really struggling with all this. I'm bringing all this, and here's all my blah, 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 blah. Here's all my bags, 
And what I really wanted to do is take my bags and run so I can feel free. And what happens a lot of times, he goes, oh man, I'm so sorry, let me carry those for you. Now here's my bags. And for a moment, it seems like, well, that was a great reprieve. Wait, where did these other bags come from? I know. And so it's like this bag exchange process that we keep going through. And in the process, what we do is we miss out on what the church is supposed to be. Now, here's another way this transactional stuff happens. It lists a bunch of gifts there. Teaching, exhorting, encouraging. So we find our hope and our status in those, you know, young man, I know this, but I'm the pastor of this church, right? And so if there's a gift of teaching, some of you like, Daniel, you need to reevaluate your assessment, okay? If there's a gift of teaching, and I'm called to teach and preach and stand up in front of you, I'm kind of glad you all don't feel the same way because this stage would be really full. But the danger is of every pastor ever is I can find my value and my worth is my ability to communicate. And I'm wondering how often we do that to the generous person. Are you giving for the kingdom of God? Are you giving for your own benefit? Is it like an entry fee to be able to come to the country club of church? To the person working in the nursery, how are you helping for the purpose of helping? And the way this works is if we all do what God has gifted us to do and do it in a way that points to Jesus, the bags get lifted off our shoulders and given to Jesus. What bags are you carrying this morning? What weight do you feel? If you're a kid in the room and you don't understand what I'm saying, when I say bags, I mean, you ever feel like life is hard, like you have a test you're studying for or something and it's really hard to study? That's what I'm talking about. Like, I wish somebody else would take this test for me. Parents feel like that far too often, unfortunately. Spoiler, enjoy being a kid. <laughs> and as you unwrap this and as you think about it, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to say, okay, how does this work. Here's how it works. Some of you have a gift that I cannot fathom. And the reason I talk about it all the much is because it's so foreign from my DNA. You can hold a crying baby for 45 straight minutes and remain sane. And so you go up in the nursery and you're like, the baby cried all day. It was so great. They smell like a baby. You know, like all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't get that, right? And but what you're doing in that moment is you're using the natural giftedness that God has given you to allow your resources and your strengths as a part of the church to allow a mom and a dad to go encounter the presence of God. You are pointing them to Jesus by giving them the space to do it. Amen. To the person who works with the middle school kids, bless you. If you're a middle schooler in here, bless you. I love you. Good news, middle school does not last forever. To the person who sits there and goes, okay, how do I handle a, a grieving community? There are people who are called and naturally good at working with those in the last stages of life, y'all. That is a gifting. But I think what we do a lot of times is we want to use our gifting as like 
an asset to find our hope and our value in us. Instead of seeing our gifted as something we give away for the benefit of the kingdom of God. So let me ask you this. What do you view your church community for? Because it's probably one of the following three. Is it a place to come and have fake, shallow friends? <laughs> well, why would I admit that? <laughs> okay, what I mean by that is, are you coming to church and hoping to find people who put on the face, who like the face you put on, but not really showing them who you really are? And then you're wondering why you don't have any community? And this church doesn't really connect well with you because you haven't really shown us who you really are. And the reason you believe that is because you've been taught by society that if you actually showed people who you really were, they wouldn't actually like you. Are you a person who sees the church as a place to dump your bags and run? Here's what I'm going with. Don't have time to hear yours. Whoop, out, gone. Are you seeing church as a community of people who are made to point people to Jesus? So here's how this works. Let's say you go out to lunch with somebody. And over the course of the conversation, instead of someone going to you, once again, let me just use Drew's name. When I'm talking to Drew, I'm going, man, this is what I'm going on. Instead of him going, man, that's awful. They are treating you bad, right? He'll say, man, I want to weep when you're weeping, but let's look what Jesus says. Do you hear the difference? What would it look like in our marriages if we did that? I'm just, I'm just saying. What would it look like if gossip ceased? If lying ceased? What would it look like if we became the, the community that God has called us to be in all aspects, in all walks, in every moment of our life? I think the church as a whole, not just Calvary, is really struggling because we have people who are hurting and wounded. And we're all hurting and all wounded so much because let's be honest, this last two years has been hard. Maybe we need Jesus. So how do we do that? Romans 12, 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and cling to what is good. Hypocrisy there is uh, the Greek word hiskos, and it literally is an acting term. It means let love be taking off the mask. Let love be genuinely taking off the mask to let people see who you really are. But I don't want to. They might reject me. They might. But remember, your, your worth is in who God says you are. So what do we do in those conversations? We detest evil and cling to what is good. So when we gather and we start talking about what we're struggling with, and some of us actually need to try to do that. But once again, I'm gathering with Drew and I'm talking. He's trying to point me to what is good. What is good? Jesus. Let's look at his word. Let's pray together. Let's get on our knees. Let's fight for each other. Struggling as a mom? I guarantee you I could throw a paper wad and hit about 20 other moms who would agree with that, right? And I don't got that good arm. Struggling finding value? Somebody on your row is there too. The church is broken. But Jesus came for the church. Do you get it? So we cling to that which is good. And when we do that, what we do is, verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. 
taking the lead and honoring one another. And, and so here's where we, we become authentic. It's the idea of, okay, I believe you're going to accept me for me. And the way I, I best describe this is like when I was in college, I roomed with my twin brother. And here's where I normally make a joke about him, but I'm not going to today because it defeats the point. The idea of my twin brother, and we lived together. And you know what I loved about rooming with my twin brother? We could fight like dogs, and I knew he was still my brother. Some of you are like, well, that sounds like a horrible roommate. It was great. Man, pick up your stuff. You pick up your stuff. Okay, what's for dinner, you know? That's, that's how it was. But here's the thing that as I unpack that the more, the, here's the cool part about that is we accepted each other, but when bad things happened, like this one time down the hall, our, our, our neighbor's toilet overflowed. It didn't flow into their room. It flowed into our room continuously for about at least 30 minutes before we found it. Smells, people. And in that moment, my twin brother and I looked at each other, and we could have been like, well, dude, you should have, no, you don't. No, we, we clicked. Why? Because we're brothers, right? And here's what he said. I'll take care of the immediate. You get the plan together. Do you know me at all? I love a plan. And that's my strength. And so he was like diving in and figuring out how to get it up as quick as possible. And then I thought, shop back. Where can I find a shop back? I went to the cafeteria. I said, I need a shop back. I didn't ask him. They didn't ask me what it's for. I didn't tell them. And so I went and got the shop back from the cafeteria, which I returned to the cafeteria later. That was a problem. I should admit. I'm sorry. And then I, we got all that stuff up and we, we saw the problem, right? Except by the way, pause, time out, time out. No one told us to actually go get a carpet cleaner, so we just lived and wondered what the smell stayed. But that's another story because we were 18-year-old, 19-year-old guys, okay? But in the immediate, we solved the problem. It wasn't fun. I got your back, you got mine. Daniel, your strength is to think of the bigger picture. I got the immediate. Let's go. Here's the good news. Some of you are sitting there going, man, if someone dumps all their problems with me, I would know what to say. Good, don't. Just say I love you. If you can't say that, nod. Offer to pray. Not everybody is good with encouragement, but you can be there for each other. Some of you have the gifts. Guys, I'm about to read a passage. It talks about hospitality and mercy. I take spiritual inventory tests. Those are the lowest two things on my list and I'm a pastor. You know how embarrassing it is to tell everybody you're a pastor and the lowest gift you have is mercy? That's super embarrassing. That's being a little too vulnerable. But it says, don't lack in diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. We're pointing people to the truth of Jesus. We're going to serve alongside them. So yeah, we're going to rock the babies in the nursery. Maybe when we're rocking the babies in the nursery, we're going to talk about Jesus instead of just talking. And yeah, we're going to go to a small group, and we're going to talk about the boilers. Boiler up, right? But we're also going to talk about Jesus. And we're not giving Jesus this 10 minutes over here and then the rest of our life to do what we want. No, Jesus becomes in all and through all. And we're always looking for the time and the way to do it and the way to unpack this. So the community takes all of us and takes us all pointing to the hope we have and the fact that God is still transforming so if this goes well, what does it look like? Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Amen. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Once again, this is all things that the community should look like when we're doing this. 
Share with the saints in their need. Pursue hospitality. Did you hear it? Bless those who persecute you, not gather with your people and hate on each other. Rejoice, a blessing, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes, the baby's born. Woohoo! Yes, baby dedication. Amen. Yes, life is good. Rejoice. But we also weep with those that are weeping. We live in harmony with one another. We are not proud, instead, associate with the humble. We do not think we are wise in our own estimation and do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to what any is honorable in one's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is the point I want to pause because a couple people even said something similar to me um, recently. Daniel, when you preach this sermon, are you, are you preaching it at me? Nope. You know who I'm preaching it at? Don't point. Right? And what God is showing me in my life is, I'm going to be really a uh, little more transparent right now. One of the struggles I'm feeling right now, one of the things I'm going with, I'm learning I can't be the savior of the world. And what I mean by that is sometimes as a pastor, this is how this works, right? I'm using my giftedness. I'm teaching. Why are people struggling? Why is it difficult? Why are there trials? And, and I feel like I sometimes have failed when bad things happen. Guys, I'm, I'm not the savior of the world. That role's already taken in the name of Jesus. My job is to point people to our rescuer. And so, yeah, if you come to me, I want to help. But Daniel Barry has very little to offer except the presence of the king. So today, here's what I'm asking you to do. Be honest. And begin with you. What are the bags you're carrying and what do you need to unload? How are you going to have and find that community? And you know what? That finding that community can be scary. Maybe some of our small group leaders this week need to just chunk the stuff and have an honest heart-to-heart conversation. Maybe in student community this afternoon, when they're playing in the middle of the game, they need to pause and go, does anybody need to pray? I don't know. That may be a little dramatic. Maybe, just maybe, we need to risk to allow God to do something better to be what he wants us to be. So here's our daily training today. Our daily training is simply this. Be bold and be real. Be bold and be real. <laughs> and bold doesn't mean reckless, right? So when I, I preached this sermon today, and I had a different one planned. This is the way this impacts in my life, right? Thursday, I, I'm practicing. I feel like I don't feel at peace. Friday, I'm struggling with it. Saturday night, I'm kind of wrestling with it. Do, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And then I got this idea for this sermon, and I think it was from God, but then I sit there and I think, oh gosh, what's Chris going to think? He's already managed the songs and written them by then. And, or or what, what's the staff going to think? I'm supposed to be more prepared, more in line with the Holy Spirit. And, but you know how I know it was time to be bold? I felt at peace. That's what I mean to be bold and be real. Be at peace with being open to who you are. 
And then let's love each other for where they are. If you don't know Jesus, that's where it begins. We'd love to tell you more about it. There's a man by the name of Jesus who is fully God and fully man. He came and he died on a cross for you and for me. And if you don't know him, we'd love to tell you more about him. We're going to have a couple of us up front afterwards. We'd love to talk to you about it. If you want to pray, we have a few of us that would do that. As we're going around this world, we need each other. So church, do your part. But not in your role. Be the person you're called to be. Authentic. Real. Open. Transparent. That's where we change. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We ask in this moment, God, that you would move among us even more. God, help us to be a little more bold, but to be led by your Spirit. So God, even as we're about to sing, here we are now, with our arms open wide. God, it's amazing to me how you work because you had this song picked out before the sermon even changed, and I'm thankful for the words of it. May it be a, a worship that our heart really feels towards you. Transform us, God, so that we might live for you better. Your holy and precious name we pray. The name above every other name we pray, Jesus. Amen.